These past couple of weeks, we've been uh, looking at this statement, and I want to continue on with that today, just to, for us to consider this idea of this is what we do. I, I think it's an important question or an important statement to, to consider when we think of a church, we think of individuals, wh- what is it that, we're, that we are about, that we are to be doing? This personally has come to my mind recently. Um, on a, on a personal level, I, I'm a part of a, a community organization, a kind of a serve club in the community. And I've been there now a couple of years, and, and we do stuff, you know, as far as we get together, we hang out, we eat, we, we do an event once in a while, that kind of stuff. But it's just in these last few weeks and months that I've been starting to ask the question, and why do we do this? And, and why, what is it, not just the what, but why are we? And I'm starting to learn more about the, the understanding of what it is that we're actually about and the, the values that we say that we proclaim and why we, we end up doing what we do. And here's what I find interesting is I think a lot of people in church are a lot like I was. They, they come to church, they do the church thing, or they hear about church, and they have this idea, they have this concept of what it's supposed to be about, but really they, they're kind of going, in a sense, going through the motions, going through what, what they've heard and what they experienced. But if you, if you boil it down to ask, not just what do we do, I mean, we meet here, we hang out, we, we have fun, we, if we eat, we eat well, right? We all get all that, okay? But why do we do that, and, and what is it that we really are about? What is it that, that we should be accomplishing? And so that's the statement that we've been, we've been kind of talking about for the last, the last couple of weeks. We started this off, if you were here a few weeks ago, we started this off with the idea of this is who we are. And, and I think that's the place that we have to start. This is who we are. We understand we are, the, we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. As individuals, as a church, we are to, to uh, influence and we're to impact. We're to make that kind of a difference in the world around us. That's who we are. And based on who we are and based on what God has done for us, then we come to this question. Now, based on those things, what is it that we do? This is what we do. So for the last three or four weeks, we've been talking about this, this part of this, this is what we do. And I, I want to just review it. It goes back to a verse that we're very familiar with, Acts chapter 20, verse 35. And whether you knew you were familiar with it or not, I guarantee you, you've probably heard this. If you'll see it on the screen, just a second, because I'd like you to say it with me. Say it together, please. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, again, most people have heard that. You've quoted it. Maybe you didn't even know it was from the Scriptures, but it is, it's a statement Jesus made, the quote from he, he himself, that it is more blessed to give than receive. Now, we like to receive. I'm not saying that we don't, but Jesus promises that there's something intrinsic, something uh, in the, the idea of being blessed that comes from giving even more than receiving. So with that thought in mind, here's what we talked about the last couple of weeks. This is what we do. We give generously. Not just give, but we give generously. And we've, been, we've looked over the last few weeks what generous means and the difference between giving and generosity. And that's what we've, we've been talking about today. Now, with that thought in mind, as I was reading and studying a few weeks ago and look, looking forward to this particular topic, a verse kind of jumped out at me. And I want to start from there. In fact, we're going to be in John chapter 13 today. So if you have your Bibles, you can follow me there or your electronic devices. John chapter number 13 but there's one verse that just, I, I see how it ties in with what we're talking about. Look at verse number 17 with me. Here's what the Bible says. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Do you see why this kind of jumped out at me? I mean, right in the middle, there's that word blessed again. There's something about the same word that, he, that Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. He's also saying now that there's something about, there's certain things that if you're doing this, there's a blessing, there's a fulfillment, there's an ultimate intrinsic value in this action. And he also says, you can know it here, but it doesn't really work until you do it, all right? This is what we do. This is the, what, what we are supposed to be about. What, why? This is who we are. This is what God has done for us. And based on that, he says, if you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So in the context, and we're going to look at this, this passage in a minute, let me just give you the summary, give you where we're going with this for today and the next couple of weeks. This is what we do. Not only give generously, we as God's people, we serve passionately. I want you to keep that thought in mind. We give generously based on who we are and what, we, what God has done for us, but for the same reasons and based on what Jesus has said, we also, as God's people, serve passionately. 
Let, let me give just a, just a brief uh, something coming up in a couple weeks. On, on August the 20th, we're going to have what we call um, Serve Expo 2017. It's just an idea. We're going to have our different leaders of different ministries are going to be standing, and you're going to get an opportunity. Maybe you're new to Calvary, or you haven't, you haven't, you're not currently involved. to give you an opportunity to see some ways that you could, you could volunteer. You could get a part. Because that word serve, if you've been in church at all, that's a big church word, isn't it? I mean, people talk about, I, I serve a church, or I'm, I'm going to serve, or that's what. It, and so serve is a big word. But when we look at it today, as we're going to dive into John chapter 13, I believe we're going to get a whole, at least a, a refreshed, if not maybe a new perspective on what serving really means by Jesus' definition. If that's what we're supposed to do, serve passionately, just like we know we're to give generously, if that's what we do, then what does that really look like, Jesus' style? And that's what we're going to look at in John 13. So let me back you up to the first part of this book, the first part of this chapter, chapter 13, Verse 1, because this sets an incredible backdrop to what Jesus is going to say in these next verses. Verse number 1, he says this. It was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. What's happening in John 13, and it's going to happen up until John, uh, for the next about five chapters, is this is the, these are the last hours, the last part of the journey before Jesus is going to go to the cross and, and to die for the sins of the world. This is the night before all of that drama of the, the betrayal and the, the crucifixion and ultimately the resurrection happened. This is that night. It starts right here. And, and what this verse tells us, that he, he, know, he knows that the hour is coming, he knows what's, what's in store for him. He knows the crucifixion, and this is all knowledge to him. He sit in this room. He knows this. Can you imagine the emotions that Jesus is feeling, knowing what's going to happen, knowing that this night is going to start the sequence of events, knowing all of these things are coming? That's how this chapter begins, with all that knowledge in mind, also knowing, as we're going to see in, the, in this chapter, that the meal was already in progress, and he knew that Judas was going to betray him. So he's sitting there on the night that all this is going to start, knowing not only that what's going to happen, knowing that Judas sitting there in front of him is one of his friends, his companions, is going to be, betray him. So as we unpack this, you're, this, is an, this is such a dramatic, incredible moment or incredible few moments or hours in the, in the life of Jesus and his disciples. He is about to give his life. But, but let me just back it up a couple of days. This has been quite a week in Jesus' life. Let me give you just a little history where we've been. This week on Sunday, we refer to it now as Palm Sunday. So Sunday of this week was a day in which Jesus came in on the, on the back of a, of a donkey and his disciples laid out palm leaves and, and their coats and, they, and they, uh, the, the people were singing, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is, this is a great day as he comes into Jerusalem. It's like a, an old-time ticker tape parade. You know, it's this idea as Jesus comes into Jerusalem. But boy, this is a great start to the week. Then, then on Monday, uh, Jesus comes back, and he cleanses the temple. Now, if you don't know what that means, he went into the temple, and there were people selling stuff there. He literally turns over the tables. He chased them out of the temple. He said, you're not going to turn my father's house into this den of thieves, this place for profit. This is supposed to be a house of prayer, and he kicks them out. Now, that was Monday. So Sunday, Monday, we, the week starts pretty big, right? Tuesday, he comes back into town and has this enormous well, let's just call it a fight with all the Pharisees, all the religious leaders. They have this huge battle of, of words of what Jesus says is true, and he, he calls them, uh, woe are you hypocrites. He really lays it out for them. That's Monday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday, we don't have record of what Jesus did so much. We, we do understand that that was probably the day that Judas received 30 pieces of silver. So that was a big day. This is now Thursday. It's Thursday night of this week. Thursday night, as, as we come in and Jesus has gathered in this, this upper room with he and his, his companions, his disciples, they, they've now come and Jesus is going to give his final words to them. Again, knowing what's going to happen in the next few hours, he's going to give his final words. He's going to leave that, that thing that we refer to as the Lord's Supper, the, the blood and the, and the body and the symbol of, 
of the, of the bread and the wine, and he's going to show them what, leave this to them, something that they're to do. All this is happening on this night. He's, his, he knows that in the middle of this, he knows what's going to happen to him. He knows one of his friends is going to deny him. Uh, one of his friends is going to betray him. All of them are going to run away from him. All of this is happening in the middle of this night. And during this incredible emotional event, when Luke tells the story of what happened on this night, Luke says that in the middle of all of this, a fight broke out among the disciples. Listen to how Luke says it. Luke 22, verse 24. On this night, in the middle of all this, a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Now, that in itself is a weird verse, but can you put it in the context of when it happened? In the middle of all this drama, and Jesus knows it's going to happen, and he's been telling them this is going to happen. In the middle of all that, the disciples are acting like two-year-olds. They're literally having this conversation, and we're not sure how it went, but you can just imagine one of them said, you know, well, uh, I wonder who the greatest is. And somebody said, it's me. And that started a whole series of dispute. Somebody probably said, hey, why did Peter and John get to set up the room? Why wasn't it me? Why did they get to do Why is John sitting closest to Jesus? John probably said, well, it's because he loves me best, right? I'm the greatest. Peter goes, oh, wait a second, guys. Hold on. How many of you walked on water? Come on. The rest of you guys were sitting in the boat. I'm walking across the lake. I got to be the greatest. Bartholomew says, hey, what about me? And that, Well, nobody knows Bartholomew, so it can't be Bartholomew, right? So they're having this dispute. Who's the greatest? Who's the best in all of this? All of this is happening on the night that Jesus is laying out this whole thing of who he is and what he's going to do, knowing exactly when that's going to happen. And Jesus has already told them earlier, listen, the greatest one is the one who serves. The greatest one is the one who will be the servant of others. And yet it was like that, that was earlier in their journey, and they just either they didn't hear it, they forgot it, whatever. No one's imagining. So with that, in that dramatic moment, in response to what these guys are saying and their dispute, Jesus does something incredible. But before we look at that, take a look at this video. I want to see if we can put this into modern times, see if it kind of grabs your attention. Watch the screen for just a moment. Nice glasses. Oh, thanks. I have 20-20 vision. I don't really need glasses. Oh. Well, I used to have perfect vision until I caught an eye disease while on the mission field. So, glasses, it's totally worth it. Um, where did you do mission work? I spent an entire week in Africa. Well, I was in Africa for an entire year. It's amazing how much you get to know Jesus when you're there for that long. Where were you in Africa? I rescue orphans from there all the time. Really? I wonder if you rescue them from the orphanages that I build there. I don't think so. Oh, you wouldn't probably know that they're mine. I don't have my name on the building or anything. I prefer to remain anonymous. <laughs> oh, well, I prefer to remain anonymous too, but when you do so much for Jesus like I do, you just can't help but be known. Listen, I have built so many hospitals and churches because I care about the body and the soul. That's nice, but I don't need a church to save souls. I just preach from the side of the mountain, like Jesus. Well, if you would come down off of that mountain, you would know what people really need, like I do. Oh, please, like you know what people need. Me and Jesus, we're tight. Look, you guys wouldn't even know Jesus if he came up to you with a sign that said, I'm Jesus. Are you kidding? I've brought more people to Jesus than Jesus. Well, he wouldn't even have a ministry if it wasn't for me. Jesus. What are you doing? Do you love me? Do you really love me? Then follow me. In the middle of this dramatic night, Jesus knows what's going to happen to him. His disciples have heard it, they just haven't grasp it yet, Jesus changes the whole atmosphere by one very 
poignant but very simple act. The Bible says in John 13, verse 4, he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing. He wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Many of us have heard about this event. It, I would say a lot of you have heard about this story. But it really is hard, let's just be honest, to kind of put this into modern terms because we're so unfamiliar with this act, this idea of, of washing feet. What does it mean? Why did he wash their feet? Why of all the things he could have done did he choose to wash their feet? Let's see if we can understand a little bit in culture. Understand that event was a kind of a common courtesy at that time. I mean, when someone comes to your house, you invite someone over to your house. Let's say it's wintertime. What is one of the first things? Can I take your coat, right? Or can I offer you a drink? When someone comes in, that's a common courtesy. That's something you do. At that time, when you walked into someone's house, it would have been very familiar for someone to say, first of all, they'd kiss you on the cheek, which I'm kind of glad we changed that one. But they decided to say, you kiss each other on the cheek, and then they would say, can I wash your feet? It was part of a common courtesy based on the culture, based on some things that, that they were involved with. And, and, and when, you, when you do this, there was, sometimes they would leave water there at the front so you would wash your own feet just because you're, especially if you were wearing sandals, your feet would have been dirty. So sometimes that's there. But often they would assign a servant to take care of that job. And it would have been the, the low man on the totem pole. And you understand why. Here's the thing. The host of the house never would wash the feet. Because the host of the house would be basically saying, listen, I care so much for you. I'm going to assign someone to wash your feet. But I'm not touching them. Those things are disgusting. You know, I mean, that's basically, basically the point. Can you imagine if we still did something like that? You know, can I take your coat, have a drink? Would you like a pedicure? Would, how would you like that? If someone, trust me, if you still did that, you would only do it once with me. I just, just be honest, okay? Once you saw my feet, it would never happen again. There isn't a, there isn't a therapy out there that can handle these feet. That just, they're disgust. My feet, I'm just, I'm being honest, and my family, my family's laughing because they know it's true. This is, here's what would happen. If you came to our, if you came to our house one day, and I'm just sitting around relaxing, all I've got on is shorts, and I'm just sitting there, shirt off, nothing, I'm just sitting in shorts watching TV, and the doorbell rings. You know what my family would say? They wouldn't say, Dad, put your shirt on. They'd say, Dad, put your socks on. I, I promise you that. Because of all the ugly things on my body, this feet would just be right at the top of there. It's just disgusting. You understand what I'm saying? And so I'm kind of glad that custom is no longer there. But that was a common courtesy. It was something that they did as a part of the culture. They, they washed the feet of those who came in. But why, Jesus? Why this particular one? Why were you the one that felt like that it was something you should do? Let's see if you can understand this. When Jesus turns around and, and looks around that room, there's at least two things that he sees, and let me point them out to you. What he sees, and those guys, remember, this is in the middle of their fight. They're talking about who's the greatest, what, I'm better than you, and all. in the middle of all that, when Jesus turns, he sees proud hearts and dirty feet. Because that night, someone had not done the job of a servant and washed the feet of those who were in the room. Now, whether that was because they didn't have a servant, maybe they, they missed the water bowl at the beginning, but after all this dispute about who's the greatest, not one of them was going to pick up a bowl and wash feet. So when Jesus looks, he sees proud hearts and dirty feet. And so with one choice of action, he's going to handle both issues. He's going to address their proud hearts, and he's going to address their dirty feet. And, and what happens in these next moments as he washes their feet, this is in, all at once. It's beautiful. It's, it's awkward. It's uncomfortable. All of this as he looks face-to-face in the people that are his servants who have just been fighting over greatness, and one by one, he, he washes their feet. I, I know that this is a symbol you're not unfamiliar with, so I want you just to keep this in mind as we go through this day of what this looks like to wash feet. When we talk about washing feet, I mean, these are just symbols of what, of what happened at that point, and it's not something that we do, and most of us, I think, are, are kind of glad of this. But if you go down to verse number 12, I want you to see what Jesus says. He asks a very simple question. After he finishes washing their feet, he puts, takes the, the servant's towel back off. He puts his, his regular robe back on. He sits down, and he says to them, verse 12, Do you understand 
what I have done to you. Do you understand what this was all about, gentlemen? Now, honestly, that's still a valid question that I want you to ask today. Do you understand what washing feet is all about? We don't wash feet as a culture, and I don't believe Jesus was saying necessarily that you, that you should now go and, and, and wash people's feet. It wasn't, he wasn't setting up a new religious thing. There are some churches that do that on occasion, that they wash feet, and there's nothing wrong with that, but Jesus wasn't setting up a new religious ordinance. He was saying that there, there's something about this. Do you understand what this is all about? In verse 15, look what he says. He summarizes it this way. I have set an example that you should do as I have done to you. He says, guys, I just gave you a living parable. I gave you a living object lesson. I just did something in your life, and I want you to replicate it. I want you to duplicate this. And again, it wasn't about the act of washing feet. That in culture is going to go away. But the principle, the timeless truth that he was trying to get us across about service is something that still applies to us today. As it did to them, there was beyond this act of washing feet, there was something he was trying to teach them. Think about it personally. Jesus comes into our lives. Jesus begins to change us, and, and he's transforming us. And the, and the point is he's, he's changing us to do, to follow him, to do what he's And he's saying, this is an example. This is part of what you do. This is part of how I have made you to be, is to, to take and to serve as I have done. This is an example. One man said this, and I, I, I quote, he says, the greatest tragedy is for a person to never receive Christ and his mercy. That's the greatest tragedy of all. But, he said, the second greatest tragedy is that a person would experience Christ, experience his love, experience his grace, but never translate that into service for others. If we know Christ and we've received him and we never figure out that he has called us to now do what he did, to follow his example and do this and to serve and to wash feet, we've missed what, one of the most important aspects of what we do and what God has called us to be and to do as his people. Verse number 17, if we go back to you are, if you know this, that's one thing. You're blessed if you, if you do this. This whole idea of service and washing feet, there's something God wants us to learn, to know about this. Let, let me, as we're talking about the subject of serving passionately, let me just throw out this phrase, and I hope we'll, we'll look over the next couple of weeks. But here's what I want you to grab. This is, that the point is this, serving is what we do or what I do because a servant is who I am. I want you to understand that Jesus now is going to translate and his disciples are going to pick up on this idea that as his followers, one of the words that we can use to describe ourselves now becomes the idea of a servant. First Corinthians chapter 4, this is how Paul talks to the Corinthians. He says, this then is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ. The idea of we follow Christ as, as his servants. We are at his beck and call. He is our master. We do what he has called us to do. But if you go to 2 Corinthians 4, 5, he goes on to say this, and ourselves as your servants, chapter 4 and verse 5 of 2 Corinthians, as your servants for Jesus' sake. Not only are we are servants of Christ, Paul says, but we're also your servants. And that becomes now the motif as we as God's followers, we serve. That's what we do because that's who we are. We're servants of Christ, and as servants of Christ, we also are then to serve others. Jesus showed us this, this action. One of the things we have to understand as Christians is God has called us to action, and that action is to serve. Jesus saw dirty feet, and he said, something's got to be done about this, and he moved into action. Can I just tell you, Christians, there are dirty feet all around us. There are needs of people all around us. What are we going to do about it? As servants, we are called into action as Jesus showed us. This is, we serve because that's who we are. God has called us to do as he has done. Do what I, have, what I have shown you to do. Again, the washing of feet, that was a cultural experience. But the timeless principle, how do we apply this? So let's just, let's just talk about this. Washing feet. Think of, if you would with me for the next few minutes, what would that look like to us? We, we don't, don't miss this cultural thing and say, so, well, that doesn't, what would washing feet look like in your life? If God has called you to serve, and the example he gives to serving is washing feet, then what does that look like for us in 21st century America in, in Taylorville, Illinois? Look, look at verse number uh, 14. Again, he says, this is a verse I encourage you to memorize, but I really want you just to focus on it because listen to what he says. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. 
So Christians, this is what we do. We wash feet. But what does that look like? What does it look like in in your life, in in your job, in your home, in your family, in your neighborhood? God has told us, I want you now to go do what I did. Go and wash feet. What does that look like to us? What what does that that mean to us? Let me just throw out a a comparison of what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. We talked about generosity. And, And we point out the fact that giving and generosity are really not the same thing. You can give and not give generously. You can give, and even if you give a large amount, it's not generous because your heart's not in it. And it's not, so giving and generosity are not the same thing. Most people, if I were to ask, because serve is such a big church word, if I were to ask you, do you serve, many people would say yes. And the answer would be because I, I volunteer. I volunteer for, the, for a church. I volunteer for a charity. I, I give of my time. And that's fantastic. We, volunteers are so, so important. But let me just show you that what Jesus is teaching us is there's a difference even between volunteering and truly serving passionately. And he's going to give us this example of how he wants us to serve. He wants us to volunteer, but he wants our hearts to ultimately move to what we're doing this as a heart of a servant, as a one who is serving because of who has God has called us to be. Now, there's, there's a lot of things I'm obviously we can learn but, but let me point out a few things today as I walk through this. As we look at what does washing feet look like, it's going to include at least these three things, and I want you to make sure you grab this. If you're going to serve the way God has called you, volunteer, yes, but even you move that or whatever you do, and in your life you look at service, let me show you what this looks like. Washing feet, then, for us, number one, it is service that is prompted by love. It, there's a motivation behind this, and the motivation is is, is love. If we go back to chapter 13 again in verse number 1. We're talking about how Jesus knows he's going to be crucified. But notice how this verse continues. And he says, he knows I'm going to the Father. But at the last phrase of that verse, he says, And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. What he's saying, this verse now introduces this night of drama and all that's going to happen, but all of it is based on this particular thing. He's going to do what he's going to do in the next minutes, in the next hours of his life because of what? Because of love. As he looks out, knowing what's going to happen, having loved those who are in his presence, he will love them to the end. Then he begins this, not only what's going to happen in the crucifixion, but then he, in the middle, picks up a bowl and begins to wash their feet. It was all a motivation, uh, based on a motivation of love. Everything comes back to them. In these next few hours, he's going to go to the cross. He's going to show them how deep his love really is, but it starts right here. This this, uh, example of love starts with what he's going to do in the next few minutes with with these particular people. Let me just make sure you understand. The essence of serving is not about loving the activity. It's not about I serve because that's what I really like. That really makes me feel good. That's what I like to do. That's not the essence of serving. I'll be honest with you. I would dare say Jesus was, did not love washing feet. I don't think even the servant that was assigned that loved the task of washing feet. There might be a person here or there that would say, ooh, let me wash feet. I, the, if it, it's you, then I'm sorry. But it, most people are not going to love. What, it wasn't that Jesus said, oh, this is my gifting that I need to, this is what I do best as I wash feet. This was not about what he liked to do. He was doing this because it, not because he loved the service of washing feet, but he loved the people that were connected to those feet. He loved the people that were represented by those feet. And because of his love for them, he did the most incredible thing. He would wash their feet. And it became this motivation of, of why. And then if you move down in the same chapter, which I find so powerful, in the same chapter after he goes through all of this, he goes down to verse 34, and this is what he tells them. After he's washed their feet, at the, towards the end of this night, he says to them, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. The command is so simple, but yet it's not easy to do. Love one another and do it as I have loved you. And, and now look at the context of what he's saying that. I loved you, and in my love, not only am I going to give my life, that's going to happen here in a few minutes, but I love you so much that I washed your feet. So I want you to love one another as I have loved you. This is who we are. This is what we do as God's people. His love being our motivation. As we talk about giving generously, one of the things was the attitude. That you shouldn't give reluctantly or because someone's twisting your arm. You should give cheerfully. But we also made sure we understood that it wasn't to say, hey, if you don't feel cheerful, then don't give. 
The point is, if you're giving and you're not feeling cheerful, then you need to check your heart. Because giving is what we do, and it should come from a heart that wants to give. Well, let's go back to service. He's saying the same thing to us. If, if, we're, if we're serving, it should be from a heart that loves a people. But you say, I'm not really sure I love these, this too much. And, and so if I don't love, then I, I shouldn't serve because the motivation's incorrect. Here's the point. If you're serving and it's, and it's drudgery and it's not because you feel the love, then it's, it's not about, well, then don't serve. Don't wash the feet. It's about, I need God to, to renew that love. I need God to change my heart. As God's people, this is what we do. So God, if I'm having trouble with my service, then renew in me a love for the people that you've put in front of me, the opportunities you have, so that what I do, I do because it's prompted by love and not just by, by duty. You've heard this phrase perhaps, and let me repeat it. You can serve without loving, but you cannot love without serving. If you truly are moved, and God has, and you're, remember what was the commands, God said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. We read already here, love one another. So God, that's what we're to do, we're to grow in our love, but as that love grows, service will be a part of that love, and if we're struggling with our service, it's not a, a problem of we don't like the job, you're, you're probably not going to like, it's about our love needs to be rekindled. Our, we need to, God, help me to love you, help me to love these people so that service will be a part of what I do. Love prompts this kind of, of service. Let me give you a second thought. Washing feet, what does it mean to us? Washing feet is a service that has to be done with humility. It's a service that has to be done in a way that, that bends. Something about the, this story, everything about it just screams of Jesus humbling himself, of bending, of stooping. And all that comes about this story is, a, is about uh, him being, uh, the, part of the problem is we miss opportunities for service because we refuse to stoop low enough to see him. We've got service, and, and as long as it fits into our schedule and what we like to do, we're okay. But when it goes to a point that gets awkward, gets weird, gets uncomfortable, we're not sure we want to go there. And Jesus says, listen, that's what I want you to understand. Washing feet is going to be a humbling experience. If you're truly going to serve, church, and I'm not, and, and volunteering is a part, but we move that to service, there's going to be a part of it that's going to, going to humble us. It's going to, there are times that we can think we're either better than someone else and it's going to take us off that, or there are times that we just don't have the time. It's not, we, we, none of this, or we can even feel like, you know, we're helping those kind of people, and we forget that it's not about that at all. We, we humble ourselves. Listen to some of the things that were said in this story. Here's the verse that I encourage you to memorize. Verse 14, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. Circle Lord and teacher. He, if there's one person in the room that should have not been washing feet, it was Jesus. He's the Lord. He's the master. He's the teacher. If there's anybody who should have got out of that job, it was Jesus. But who was the first one to pick up the towel in the bowl? It was the Lord and master. It was Jesus. He humbled himself. No one else went near it. And Jesus, realizing, he said, this is, this is what I do. The hum but let's go back to John's intro of, of how Jesus, you go back to verse number three. L look at what he says. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning back to God. Now think about that. Jesus knew that all things were under his power. So Jesus not only knew that the time was coming, he also knew who he was. He also knew who, that he came from God. He was going back to God. He was very confident in his position. He knew who he was, and yet he still humbled himself. I don't know if there's a modern possibility, but let's just try to, try to put this in a modern term. What if you're sitting watching the game and the doorbell rings and you open the door and it's the Queen of England? The Queen of England and all her entourage, and she says, may I wash your toilets today? And you'd go, what? And that's crazy. Okay, it, it, it's, but you understand, not even that comes close to what Jesus did. Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus was the Lamb of God. Jesus was the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the, the, uh, the Redeemer. He's the Righteousness. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He is the Creator. He's the beginning and the end. He is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That Jesus, he takes off his coat picks up a towel like a servant, picks up the water basin, and begins to wash people's feet. There's not a word you can put to that but humility. I, I mean, you could actually go in, in as much as to say humiliation at that point. 
of what the, the master of the world does is he sees a need and he comes and he begins to wash people's feet. Let me share something with you. And please take this with whatever we can, we can grasp. If, it, if your service at some point does not have you on your knees stooping to help someone else, then we've still missed what service is all about. That doesn't mean it. Sometimes it will be something you enjoy doing. I get that. But at some point, I promise you that real service is going to have you washing somebody's feet, and that's going to be a humbling experience. Are we willing to go there? Are we willing to be the servants that God has called us to be? Say, I don't like that. I'm not doing that. I'm not going near that. That, that becomes some of our first response, and that's what Jesus is saying. Here's, here's the truth. Sometimes serving, washing feet, it's going to be messy. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to be doing some things. You're going to be helping some people that are hard to help. You're going to be helping some people that are difficult to work with. You sometimes are difficult to work with. Just think about you now helping yourself and you helping others. It becomes something that was going to be awkward. It's going to be difficult. There might be people that you're not even sure you like. Can I point out something to you? What if you go to offer someone service and they refuse it? No way. You're not helping me. Wait, you've tried. You want the best. You know what's exactly what happened in this story? You read the story, and Jesus comes around the table, and he gets to Peter. Peter says, you're going to wash my feet? I don't think so, Jesus. Me and my feet, we're just fine. You don't need to touch my feet. What if that happens to you? You want to serve someone, and you go out of your way, and you want to help, and they say, no, get away from me. Whether they like you or they just, they're too proud, they don't want to take the service, whatever it is, and you're doing your best, and somebody says, I don't want that. Jesus says, it's not easy. This is a difficult proposition. If you're going to wash feet, you're going to come across some some difficult circumstances. It's going to be uncomfortable for you. You've got to be willing to move to that. Do you realize one of the most dramatic things about this story, in my opinion, one of the dramatic things about this story is Jesus knew that there was one man in that group that in a matter of hours was going to betray him. He'd actually already sold him a couple of days before. He, he already had 30 pieces of silver jingling in his pocket, and he was sitting there in that room, and he knows in a few hours he's going to literally betray him, and yet he still went to Judas and washed his feet. You may need to wash the feet of someone who hates you, someone who's hurt you. It might involve forgiveness. It may involve just meeting a need that they have. And after all they've done and all that, and you say they don't deserve it, and did Judas deserve? Judas didn't deserve to be in the room with Jesus, let alone have his feet washed by Jesus. I, I just want to tell you, humility, this idea of service is not just, it's not only something that we may like, it's going to be difficult. It's going to require humility. It's going to require us saying, this is not what I particularly signed up for. This is what I am. This is who a, what a servant does. That's what, that's what Jesus is trying to to teach us. We need to wash feet. Last thought about this service that I want you to take home. This washing service is a service that focuses on the other person. It focuses on others specifically. It's it's a service that that literally takes the servant out of the picture of what's going. It's not about me as a servant at all. Now it's just about the other person. Look what Jesus said. Go back to our verse we're memorizing. We're looking at verse 14. He says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. And I'm going to stop right there because if I were Jesus, here's how I would finish this sentence. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. Look what I've done, guys. I've humbled myself. I've washed your stinky, dirty feet. I have done this. Now it's my turn. He says, now that I've washed your feet, somebody come and wash mine. That's what I would say. I deserve this. I have the right to be served now because I've done, I've served 12 of you, just one of you. Come and wash my, my feet are dirty. Come and wash my feet. And that's exactly what Jesus didn't do. As best we can tell, the record from the story goes like this, that only one person that night left the room with dirty feet. And you know who that was? It was Jesus. It was the greatest servant of all. He served all of them, and not one of them, as far as we know, washed his feet. Because here's how the verse goes. Not that I, now that I, your Lord and Savior, have washed your feet, what did Jesus say? Now you wash one another's 
feet. <clears throat> Jesus is saying, it's not about me, it's not what I do, not my rights. Is it possible that sometimes in our service, whether we would admit it or not, we're willing to serve as long as we feel a little bit appreciated, we feel a little bit verified, recognized. We don't want our name up in lights, I'm not saying, but mostly, sometimes we even want that. We want make sure people know we did. Or, is it possible that we can serve and it doesn't matter how it affects us because we're just here to serve one another? I find something interesting about this particular verse. This is the first time that that phrase in the New Testament given to the disciples is used about one another's. It's used, depending on your translation, about 40 more times in the New Testament. We're to love one another. We're to uh, encourage one another. About 40-some times in the New Testament that phrase is used. The first time it's used is right here. Now, why I think that's significant is, is, is I've learned in, in study of the Scriptures, and, and you can't, I'm not building a doctrine on this, but there is what some people call the law of first mention. That when something important, something that's repeated in Scripture, the first time you see that, whether it's the word grace or the word love or the concept of forgiveness, whenever you see it first time in Scripture, there seems to be a, a, a foundation that kind of from that point on, everything that, that relates to that phrase comes back to the first time because that's when it was first introduced. So if that's true, the first time we as disciples are told to do something for one another, what are we told to do? Wash feet. What are you to do as a servant? We, we wash feet. That's what we do. We serve passionately, but it's not just serving. It's not just being active. It's serving with this heart of humility. It's washing one another's feet. And it's taking the focus off me. It's not about what I deserve. It's not about if I get recognized or I get thanked. It's not about any of you. And I do what a servant does. I come and I put your needs above mine. Here's how Paul wrote this in Philippians chapter 2. Look and listen to Paul's words. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain deceit or conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. This verse comes in conflict with a lot of modern thinking. Because a lot of modern thinking will say, wait, got to be careful. You don't want to lose yourself. We have to be, we should take care of ourselves. Nothing is saying against that. But understand, usually our problem is not losing ourselves. Our problem is we think too much of ourselves and we're not willing truly to let others be first, to put others first. And that's what Paul is saying. Your natural inclination is look out for number one. Because if I don't look out for number one, who's going to? And Jesus turns that around and says, listen, I didn't deserve to wash anybody's feet, but I did. And I give you an example that that's what we do. As God's servant, we, we wash feet, wash one another's feet. Galatians chapter 5, Paul says it this way, Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So I'm asking you the question, what does it look like for you to wash feet? Are there some people in your life right now that you know need your service? Or are you even willing to pray, God, Open my eyes to the feet that are dirty around me, and I'll be willing to wash them this week. I'll be willing to meet the needs of someone who comes across my, my influence. I, I, maybe my eyes have just not been open to it, but God, if you'll open them up. But, or maybe it's just, God, I've seen it, and I, I want to touch that. But God, I'm willing to do what I've been called and made to do, to wash feet. What does that look like in your life? Let me take this and wrap this back up to Jesus again. If we go back to the verse that, that we, we, one of the verses we started with, verse 15, I've set, Jesus said, an example that you should do as I have done for you. Wash feet. Jesus gives this example. But let me just show you something, how far this Jesus really takes this and where this goes. How far does this serving goes? I mean, this night, there's so much happening. And he says, now here's an example. Why would he take this night to make this so clear and this so plain? Because there was, there was other things happening that night that were going to change everything. And he wants to tie it all back in to this concept of serving. Let me show you. Earlier, I'd already mentioned, Matthew chapter number 20, Jesus had given this sermon to his gentlemen. This is what he said. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve, and notice the last phrase, give his life as a ransom for many. 
Jesus said, here's what we do. We serve and we give. We, we, we go out of ourselves, we serve and we give. That's what I do and that's what he's calling it. You want to be great? It, the great one is the one who serves. Here, here's what Jesus is telling us. This, this night is about, I'm going to show you what a real servant does, how far a real servant will take this. And from this point on, for the rest of the hours of his life, Jesus is going, this is a living example. I'm washing your feet, but, but let me show you just how far this service really goes. If you go over to Philippians, and we read a couple of verses, but if you keep reading, verse number five, listen how Paul continues this. Philippians 2, he says, In your relationships, Christians, with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Think like Jesus. Be like Jesus. Now look what he says. Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Let me stop right there. That word, he made himself nothing, depending on the translation, literally means he emptied himself. Jesus tells about, when he's talked about Jesus in his life, he literally, as he did in this example, he took off his coat of royalty and he put on the robe of a servant and he served people. That's what Jesus did when he came to this earth. He gave up everything for, for those he came to love and to serve, and that's us. But notice how far he takes this. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus the servant shows us that the gospel is all about him serving. Jesus took his robes of royalty and put on the robes of a servant and ultimately died on a cross so that you and I would understand the need of our salvation, that what he had, the depths he had to go to to bring us salvation and the fact that he offers us eternal life through his death on the cross. The gospel of Jesus Christ is all about Jesus becoming a servant to serve us so that ultimately we could have a relationship with his father. Man, he became obedient to death. That's the servant. That's what Jesus, and, and it comes down to this. This morning, wherever, wherever you are spiritually, let me just point this out to you, that the truth that you need to understand is Jesus became a servant in your behalf. He, he gave up the, the, the glory, he emptied himself of the glories of heaven so that he could become a servant who ultimately would die on a cross for your sins. The sins that separate you from a holy God. And if you will recognize your need and you will, you will respond to that, believing in what he did and you receive his gift, he'll give you eternal life. That's what the servant did for you. The great, he's referred to in the Old Testament as the servant. The one, that's his, his role in what he did in coming to us. But for those of you who are followers of Christ, look at that first phrase again. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. How far does this service thing go? How far did it go for Jesus? One verse, I just throw it out, and you can chew on it if you want. 1 John, chapter number 4. You see it on the screen in just a second. 1 John, chapter number 4. This is how we know what love is. Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to Lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. How far does this service go? You tell me. How far did it go for Jesus? Washing feet was incredibly humbling. But in a few hours, he's going to hang from a cross between heaven and earth, forsaken by his Father as a servant for us. Jesus wants us to know, yes, you are made to serve. You are a servant by your, by your, by your decision, by your following me. You are a servant for, my, for me and for others. You're to have the mind, we're to have the mindset of Christ. We're to serve humbly. We're to serve even when it, it doesn't make sense and we not particularly like it. We're to serve simply for the needs of others. That's what service. We're to have the mindset, the attitude of Jesus Christ. What does that look like for you? What does washing feet look like in your life today? and the rest of this week. Would you bow your heads with me, please? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Let's consider, first of all, what the servant Jesus did for you. He, he not only washed disciples' feet but, feet, but he actually ultimately gave his life for those very disciples 
who are set around that table to, to wash their sins. Have you received the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ? Do you recognize that your sin separates you from a holy God, but Jesus died to, to reconcile that relationship, to bring you into a relationship with the Father? He served you by giving his life for you. Have you received his gift? If you recognize your need and you believe that what he did for you, then I just encourage you even now, say, God, forgive me of my sins. I recognize my need for you and I, I want to follow you with my life. Just return your heart to him and let him start a new relationship, a new life with you. But Christians, let's, let me ask you, are we doing what we've been called to do? Are we truly serving passionately? Yes, we, we, we may serve, we may give of our time, but are we serving, are we washing feet? What would that mean? What's one thing that would change this week if I was a, a foot washer of others? What would that look like in your life? Father God, I just pray that you would challenge us. But Lord, that you would also just inspire us as we think of what you did in giving this example of washing feet you just set the standard of serving just so much greater than sometimes we ever even want to imagine but Lord you took it to the point of giving your own life that's where your service took you Lord just start just a little step in our lives as your people to serve you this week maybe it is the beginning of volunteering and just giving of our time, and, but all the time saying, help me to do this because I love you and I love people. And, and let, let us be willing to do whatever it takes to serve. Lord, what step do we need to take for that journey to begin? Father, if there's one in the sound of my voice that is without a relationship with you today, please help them to see the gift that was given through the servant Jesus Christ the sacrifice that was made out of his love for them. Pull them to yourself and let them be the day today where they would receive the gift of eternal life through Jesus. Please, God, speak to us. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Stefan is going to sing in just a second, and as she does, if, as God speaks to you, I invite you to talk to him even from where you're seated, but maybe this would be a day to come and say, God, I... I need to start serving the way you've, by your example. Lord, that's hard. And maybe there's some things right now you know that need to change, but God, I want to be a servant. Or maybe you want to know more of what it means to follow Jesus. We'd love to show you what that looks like.